This recording begins with a reading of the Gospel of the Day. That will be followed by the homily from Father Paul O'Brien. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus again in reply spoke to the chief priests and the elders of the people in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven may be likened to a king who gave a wedding feast for his son. He dispatched his servants to summon the invited guests to the feast, but they refused to come. The second time he sent other servants, saying, Tell those invited, Behold, I have prepared my banquet. My calves and fattened cattle are killed, and everything is ready. Come to the feast. Some ignored the invitation and went away, one to his farm, another to his business. The rest laid hold of his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged and sent his troops, destroyed those murderers, and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, The feast is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy to come. Go out, therefore, into the main roads and invite to the feast whomever you find. The servants went out into the streets and gathered all they found, bad and good alike, and the hall was filled with the guests. But when the king came in to meet the guests, he saw a man there not dressed in a wedding garment. The king said to him, My friend, how is it that you came in here without a wedding garment? But he was reduced to silence. Then the king said to his attendants, Bind his hands and feet and cast him into the darkness outside, where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. Many are invited, but few are chosen. The Gospel of the Lord. All right, so this Sunday, that Gospel passage we just heard, it's the first 14 verses of the 22nd chapter of Matthew. This is the fifth Sunday in a row that we've heard teachings from Jesus about the kingdom of God from this part of Matthew. The kingdom of God is Jesus's kingdom. It began 2,000 years ago when he came to this earth. It goes on until the end of time. It starts on this earth, and it becomes full in heaven. Also note, please, that this passage, once again, in this passage, Jesus is speaking directly to religious leaders who have met him. They've witnessed what he does. They've experienced his love. They've seen his miracles even, and they've rejected him. They have, these are Jewish leaders, not all Jewish leaders, certain Jewish leaders who have met Jesus. They've rejected him, and they're about to kill him. They're about to crucify him, but he's going to rise from the dead. So he's speaking directly to them. In this passage, Jesus uses an image of a banquet. A banquet is a big, huge meal, a huge feast. If you listen to the first reading, And to the psalm that we sang, in the Old Testament, our Jewish ancestors over and over again heard references to God's future kingdom in terms of a banquet. So the first reading we heard in Isaiah, it's a vision of the future to our Jewish ancestors when God would have a huge feast for people. And at this feast, God would take away everything that's bad, everything that's evil, everything that causes pain, and even death itself. It's a vision of the future, of the kingdom that Jesus ultimately begins. So Jesus uses that image in this parable of a banquet, which would be familiar particularly to the Jewish leaders who are rejecting him. So here's the story. In the parable, which is a story, there's a king. The king is going to have a big wedding feast, the banquet, for his son. 
The king sends out invitations to people to come to the feast. Who would not want to go to the king's feast? You know in that bizarre royal family in England, when they have a wedding, everybody wants to go to the feast. Everyone wants to be part of the royal wedding. Don't think about those people. Think about the parable. There's a king. He's having a wedding feast for his son. So he sends out the invitations. He sends his servants to tell the invited guests, maybe they've already got word of this, or maybe this is the first time, to come to the feast. The first people who are invited disregard the invitation. They don't pay attention to the invitation. They know it's real, but they choose not to go to the wedding feast. So he sends out his servants again to tell people the feast is ready. I've prepared all the animals that are going to be eaten at this feast. They've been killed. They've been cooked. Everything is ready for the feast. Come to the feast. Some of these people don't accept the invitation. They go back to their farms or to their businesses. Seems like they're more interested in working or maybe in making money than they are in accepting the invitation to be part of the feast. Sound familiar? They disregard, they don't want to go, not disregard, they turn down the invitation because they're apparently more interested in working and making money. Some of them rebel against the king, basically. They go against the king, they mistreat, and they kill the servants. They must be rejecting the king. I mean, why would you do that? It's crazy. It's horrible. It's evil. They kill his servants. Does the king care? The king completely cares. So I hope you get this. These Jewish leaders really do have an awful lot of God's revelation that they've experienced. God has sent to our Jewish ancestors over and over again prophets, John the Baptist, to tell people that the kingdom of God is going to come. John the Baptist tells people directly it's come when Jesus begins his public ministry. Jesus tells people, that's the central theme of his teaching, the kingdom of God is here. Jesus sends his disciples out to tell people the kingdom of God is here. These people, particularly the leaders who should know God in theory, they've been invited into the kingdom of God. Some of them disregard it. Some of them are more interested in other things they're doing. Some of them absolutely reject those prophets, John the Baptist, Jesus whom they're about to kill, Jesus' disciples. They're invited into the kingdom of God, and they reject it. Back to the parable. When the people are murdered, it's really stark. The king sends his servants, he puts them to death, and he burns their city. Does he care that they don't want to be part of the kingdom and that they kill his servants? He completely cares. Our early Christian ancestors would see that as Jesus is predicting the destruction of Jerusalem by the Romans in 70 AD. It actually happened. So back to the parable. The king is still having the feast. It's ready. He says that it's going to take place. So he sends his servants out far out to just invite in anybody that they can find. The word in Greek about that road probably refers to the road, the main road of the city, when it gets out into the countryside. So these servants go, they really put a lot of work into just inviting anybody. Jesus says in the parable, good people and bad people. So they gather all these people. These people actually say yes, and they come into the wedding feast. 
the hall is filled with these wedding guests, good people and bad people. I think you get this, particularly based on the parables we've heard lately, and a lot of us really like this, which we should. The kingdom of God is offered to everybody, good people and bad people. 2,000 years ago and today, remember we heard, I think two Sundays ago, tax collectors and prostitutes say yes to entering the kingdom of God when these religious leaders don't. We talked about that. We are the heirs of tax collectors and prostitutes, serious sinners who change and decide to follow Jesus. The hall is filled. Look at this group of people in this church today. Talk about bad. Talk about good. Take a look around here. Good people, bad people, all kinds of people. We most, I think all of us, right, like this. The kingdom of God is for everybody. But there's more to the parable. In this big crowd of people, almost everybody is wearing a wedding garment. We're not exactly sure historically what that is. It could be, but there's really no historical evidence that everybody in Jesus' time and place had some sort of garment at home that they would wear to something like a wedding, but there's no direct evidence of that. Minimally, it means these people change their clothes to go into the wedding feast. Would you go to a wedding dressed in your farming clothes? Would you go to a wedding, let alone a royal wedding, dressed like you are during the workday? Of course not. You put on your best clothing. Everybody has best, better clothing to change into. Almost everybody does it. The king comes in, it says in the translation we just heard, to meet his guests. The verb in Greek is basically to inspect his guests. He's looking at and he's judging his guests. Looks over the whole crowd of good people, bad people. Almost all of them have changed into their wedding garment except one man. He has not put on his wedding garment. The king is not upset with him. The king obviously loves him. He's invited him to the banquet. The king asks him a question. He says, my friend, my friend, he's his friend, why is it you've come in here without a wedding garment? The man has every opportunity to explain what is the good reason that he has come in here without a wedding garment. Like, I didn't know I was supposed to have a wedding garment. Like, I'm too poor to afford a wedding garment. Like, nobody told me I should have a wedding garment. Like, I was just right outside the door when I was invited in. That's why I don't have a wedding garment. What does he say? Thank you. Nothing. He's reduced to silence because he has no good reason that he does not have on a wedding garment. There is no good reason. He's silent because he has no good reason why he has not put on the change of clothing that he has and that's available to him and that everybody else has done. He wants to be part of the wedding. He's there. He's accepted the invitation. He's there. He wants to have all that good food. He's there. He wants to be part of everybody else who's at the wedding. He's there but he chooses not to do what he can do to just change what's required, and it's absolutely available to be part of this. Does the king care? 
Shall I start again? Does the king care? It's either yes or no. No, the king doesn't care, and there's no point to our being here. Yes, the king completely cares. The king judges him justly. If you are in here, and you think, I'm, uh, this is, these are my words, you think you can be part of the wedding, but you're not going to do the basic of what's expected of you, that's available to you, throw him out. He has him thrown out into the darkness, not just into the alleyway, into the darkness where there will be wailing and grinding of teeth. That's an expression that Jesus uses many times to describe hell. Throw him out into the darkness. He wants to be part of this, but he's not doing what's basically available to him to be part of this. He's made a free choice, throw him out into the darkness. So, wow, that's a complete story. People are invited 2,000 years ago, and more importantly for us, because we're on this planet right now, this is our opportunity. People are invited to become part of the kingdom of God by hearing Jesus' teaching and following him. Jesus, lots of people freely say, I'm not interested. They disregard the invitation. Lots of people receive the invitation, and they say, I'm more interested in business. I'm more interested in work. I'm more interested in money. Some people, including today, hear the call of Jesus, the invitation of Jesus to be part of the kingdom, and when they hear it through the teaching of the church, through the witness of Christians, they reject it violently. How many of you have invited people to become part of the kingdom of God? And they're so whatever about it, they reject, they react with abuse, they even react with violence about this. So if you make the choice to become part of the kingdom of God, you can be a good person, you can be a bad person. Accepting the invitation is step one, but it's not the final step. You have to do the basic changing of your life that's required of being, being part of the wedding feast. We are not the heirs of prostitutes and tax collectors who continue to be prostitutes and tax collectors. We are the heirs of prostitutes and tax collectors who change their lives and live holy lives and righteous lives. So here's what I invite you to consider this week as you reflect on that. Particularly if you're a child, the reason we come here Sunday after Sunday, the reason that we go to religious education classes is because we have accepted being part of the kingdom and we're trying week by week all through our lives to do what God tells us to do and that we can do. Being a Christian is day by day about growing in holiness, changing my life and doing what God teaches me and what I can do. If you're a student at Lawrence Catholic Academy, this year we have a whole heightened focus on behavior from pre-kindergarten through grade eight, because we claim to be a Catholic school, Ms. Lucy. But if we don't behave like Jesus' disciples day by day, it's like saying, I want to be part of the kingdom, but I'm not going to do what I need to change to actually live in Jesus. We're trying to pay more attention to do we actually have the wedding garment on. If you are an adult, Here's what I invite you to do, which is always easier to do spiritually. Right now, what's your wedding garment? What is it that you know Jesus teaches you to do? 
that is expected of you, that you absolutely can do, but for whatever reason, you're choosing not to change. You may have a long list, but take what's at the top of the list. What is your wedding garment? You know very well that you need to change in this way. You are, want to be part of the kingdom. Obviously, you're here. You want all the benefits. You want Jesus to take care of you on this planet. You certainly want to be in heaven, but you are choosing not to change into the wedding garment. What's the wedding garment? And just hear Jesus say to you, which he does to every one of us, why have you come in here without a wedding garment? Don't be reduced to silence. Don't stop there. You have no good reason, but you're still here. Don't miss this. You have been listening to Father Paul O'Brien, pastor of St. Patrick Parish in Lawrence, Massachusetts. For more information about the parish and to get involved, please go to stpatrickparish.com or follow us on social media. Thank you for listening.